Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another special episode of Looking Good with Nate. I don't know if I can keep calling these episodes special episodes because, I mean, as it is right now, this is the only content I'm throwing up. So I guess this is the content, therefore making it not necessarily special. Although it is special, of course. It's special to me. It's special to you. Of course it is. But regardless, what this is, is this is issue two of Titan Rage. That's issue two of Titan Rage. Uh, the story of, of course, the Titan element, but really the story a story of rage, a story of madness, a story of loss, a story of grief, a story of selfishness, and of course the story, you know, regarding Greek mythology, which we all, you know, learned in, in middle school or elementary school, and you know, I don't know who didn't have a good time during that, during that section. I'm forgetting the word for that. <laughs> the subject. There we go. The subject of Greek mythology. But regardless, you didn't hear me come to hear me ramble. It's not like this is one of my political podcasts. This is just straight up fantasy. So, I mean, if I haven't lost you already, shall we begin? This is Titan Rage, Issue 2, A Prelude to the Dark Ages, Part 2. A volcano erupts. A mountain bleeds lava. Euros, the king of all titans, the titan with dominion over power itself is scaling at the side of said volcano. He drags behind them, by the nape of their necks, the three cyclops sired by his wife, Gaia. Euros is walking up the volcano with what seems like ease. Cease your whining, your Cease your whining, you treacherous bastards. You look at me as if I were a monster, but if I were a monster... Would I have kept your father, the adulterer, alive for you to say your final goodbyes? No. No, I would not, Euros claims. Euros reaches the mouth of the volcano with the children in tow. Euros tosses the children towards their father. Their, embrace, their father embraces them. He is afraid for them. Euros can see in his eyes that the father knows how this ends. Yes, yes, say your goodbyes. It's not your fault that you're alive. You didn't ask for this. You you didn't know. There's no way you could have known that this is what would come from your very existence. Help, Papa, help! The children plead. I can't. I'm, I'm so sorry, my children. I can't. But I love you. I love you, the father exclaims. No one could have known except you, Euros poses. Euros turns and looks at the father, embracing his children. You knew exactly what you were doing. Euros' feet glide over the volcanic rock, at, and he clutches the father's throat, ripping him away from his children. <gasps> the father chokes as he tries to reason with rage. What exactly did you think would come from lying with something as perfect and as graceful as her? There was no band upon her left finger, as per your simple-minded customs, but you knew. You had to have known. Eurus throws the father towards the edge of the volcano's mouth. What? You think an angel will give herself to you and you won't have to give anything back in return? You are a fool, and I am the recompense. I am the judge and your executioner. 
Euros plunges his hand into his own chest. A spurt of blood lands on the mountain floor. It dissolves into steam momentarily. The father staggers to his feet. Euros tears one of the ribs from his ribs. Euros tears one of the ribs from his ribs cage. From his rib cage, the father stares longingly towards his children and cries. Euros emits a bellow which shakes the volcano and those in the audience to their core. The father picks up a stone to his left and returns a bellow which to the later inhabitants of the area have rumored can still be heard to the day. Euros's rib evolves, manifesting into a sort of darkness, and thus they charge at one, an one another. Euros reaches the father before the father even finishes the third step of his charge, his rib puncturing upwards through the father's torso and out of his mouth. Euros holds his rib upside down and over the mouth of the volcano as the father slides off, off his rib and descends into the inferno. Two of the children let out a ghastly wail of grief. The mountain shakes once again, this time followed by an eruption. The wailing children begin to grow, bursting through their fra fragile child bodies and erupting into raging behemoth, making the titan king appear to be a child. You abominations seek vengeance? Euros poses the question. With his left hand, Euros whips his rib across his body, flicking the blood off his sword and into the hellfire. Over the hellfire, he drops. He drop the drops of blood turn into steam moments after leaving his rib. Seek your vengeance. You seek to prove me a monster and your father a hero. Twas not an idea of mine to have your father's final moments drowning in his own blood and being burnt to ash. He he chose to provoke me. The Cyclops let out a thunderous war cry and charged lumbering towards Euros. So be it. Seek what you may, in the pa seek what you may in the past. Those seek what you may. Those in the past who have sought what you seek have never found what they are searching for. They never find anything new, only more pain. I shall strike you down just like I did your whore father before you. The Cyclops are only a step away from crushing Euros in tandem with their fists. Euros' rib evolves yet again, this, this time manifesting into a double-ended spear, and extends his left arm, grasping the spear so it lays flat in front of him and leans back. As the Cyclops' fists meet, they're stabbed by Euros' rib, linking the Cyclops' fist to fist. Euros uses his grasp on his rib as a high bar and catapults himself under and over the Cyclops' fist and begins running up the arm of the one to his left. Just as the Titan King is about to reach the Cyclops' shoulder, the Cyclops whips his head around like a wrecking ball, driving Euros towards the ground with such for force as to fracture the mountain's surface, sending Euros into the volcanic core. The magma burns through Euros' tunic and sandals in seconds, but due to his formidable titan skin, it would take some time before these wounds would be at risk of being fatal. Euros, while sinking through the magma, deep into the volcano's core, reaches out with his charred hand and begins to curl his fingers as if he were grasping the magma. 
As he does this, he consumes the energy being emitted from the magma itself, and the magma in his grasp begins to harden into molten rock. Using his hand, he pushes himself towards the surface and extends his other hand and proceeds to repeat the process until he bursts from the mouth of the volcano, landing near the rim of the volcano's mouth. The Cyclops, who had just begun their trek back down the mountain, turn around and bear witness to the charred Titan King, lava still running down his body. One of the larger Cyclopses has has the one still in the form of a child riding on their shoulder. The Titan takes their smaller siblings, setting them on the ground and motions for them to run. The smaller Cyclops does not run, but rather looks back and points towards the mouth of the volcano. You seek to destroy what you could never even hope to comprehend. You should have allowed me to kill you gracefully, but now it's too late. Now you force me to fulfill my promise of pain. Euros leaps the distance between the Cyclops and himself. He lands on one of their chests. Using his momentum, Euros plunges his charred arm through the Cyclops' eye and skull. The Cyclops cries out in agony, stumbling, flailing their arms, trying to stop the pain. Euros twists his arm, his arm still smoldering after bathing in the lava. The Cyclops screams in agony. The other Titan, the other Cyclops runs to assist their sibling. <laughs> Euros laughs. Euros, with his arm still inside the Cyclops' eye, swings himself to the Cyclops' back, now facing the Cyclops, coming to their sibling's aid, using the blinded Cyclops as a makeshift shield. With Euros' weight at its backside, trying to regain balance, the blinded Cyclops accidentally strikes its sibling with the back of its hand, incidentally knocking their sibling to the ground. Euros charges his free hand with the remaining energy he gathered while escaping the molten pit. Simultaneously, while removing his hand, which had been plunged within the Cyclops' skull, Euros slams the back of the Cyclops' neck with his free hand, fracturing the Cyclops' connection between their brain and their spine. The Cyclops falls to the ground as Euros flips off its back and lands on his feet. The Cyclops, who earlier was knocked down by their blinded sibling, stands to their feet, enraged in disbelief, to have their lost two of their closest relatives within the same hour. And then there was one. Were you the one which knocked me into the hellfire which that anvil you call a head? Hold up your hands. Let me see which one was punctured by my rib. You speak of my brother, murderer, the Cyclops claims. The Cyclops holds up his hands with his open palms facing Euros. You needn't worry of what my what he may have done to you, because I promise what I do will be far worse. <laughs> I accept only the promise that you will do all that a child abomination can do. Euros says. The Cyclops rams their fists into the ground, releasing large rocks and sediment into the air. The Cyclops grabs one of the rocks mid-air and throws it at Euros, and begins their charge towards him. Euros stands its ground and gets hit by the rock, head-on, 
without the slightest of flinches. The enraged Cyclops reaches him at staggering speeds. The Cyclops co cocks their arm ready to punch, and Euros crosses his arms in the shape of an axe in front of his body as if to brace for impact. The Cyclops lands its punch at the center of Eurus's defense, the shockwaves emitting from the attacks and tremors throughout the mountain and surrounding area. In a swift movement, Euros uncrosses his arms and latches his hands onto the Cyclops' arm. I see the fool! The adulterer didn't think it necessary to tell you that by your very creation you had not only crossed the Titan, but the King of Titans, the Titan of Power, Euros! Energy begins draining from the Cyclops and to the King of Titans. And he did not tell you that you are nothing more than a fool born from a fool. <laughs> Euros releases his left arm, his left arm's grip on the Titan and proceeds to flex with it. Volcanic lava erupting and beginning to bubble over the mouth in the background. The Cyclops begins to diminish in size as Euros pulls the Cyclops' power into himself. As the Titan diminishes in size, Euros' grip breaks some of the Cyclops' bones in their forearm. Euros pivots his elbow towards, the center of towards his center of mass, pulling the Cyclops closer to him, and then proceeds to grab his throat with his left hand. You are a blight. A pestilence which must be exterminated. You do not deserve to be alive. You never did. You must see this. Why would anyone but a monster go through all this trouble to exterminate your existence? Why, I ask you? Why? Euros crushes, crushes the Cyclops' windpipe. I am not a monster. I am not a monster. Euros drags the Cyclops to their sibling. Euros, after collecting the dead Cyclopses, drags them by the nape of their necks towards the mouth of the erupting hellfire. Euros reaches the mouth and tosses the lifeless cadavers into the fiery oblivion. And then notices the last remaining Cyclops, who is also near the mouth of the hellfire, who is extending their arms to offer the charred titan's rib which they have in their hands. What is it that you think you're doing? Euros asks. The Cyclops, still no larger than a child, does not move and offers no response. Did you not just witness the death of your siblings? And father, by my hand, do you not seek vengeance? Euros asks. The Cyclops, still no larger than a child, does not move and offers no response. So what is it? Do you believe to be faster than myself? When I attempt to receive my rib, do you intend to swiftly plunge it into mine heart? I promise that would not end as you would expect. The Cyclops shakes his head and extends his offering again. Euros hesit hesitantly accepts back his rib. Hmm, you taught me something new today, Cyclops. It seems an entity born from a fool is not necessarily destined to be a fool. Euro snatches up the young Cyclops and places them on his shoulder. Come with me. 
You are not a fool, and you are a child of my wife. Therefore, a child of mine you must be. Forget the past. Your life from now on will be devoted to the future. Euros and the child begin their trek down the mountain and towards their future. Sometime from then, but still many years from now, Euros sits upon his throne on Earthumon, contemplating his very existence, when suddenly Yanis appears. My king! Yanis bows on her knee. I implore you to take another course of action. Ah, Yanis, my seer! You seek an audience? I am grateful, for I could use a reprieve from my own train of thought. What knowledge do you wish to bless upon your king? My king, as far as I can see, I see nothing but nothingness in your future. Oh, seer, nothingness is nothing to fear. Seeing nothingness merely means you cannot comprehend that which lies before you. Before there is, because there is so, there is no such thing as nothingness. Because there is no such thing as nothingness. So it does not surprise me that you cannot see what path lie before me. The path I have chosen to take is a path for me alone to understand. But my king, nothingness is not all I see in all futures. It's just that it is haste. But present nonetheless. My king, yours is the only I see fading to nothing. Seer! My dear yes. But did I not just explain to you that there is no such thing as nothingness for beings such as us? But there is, my king. I have seen many dimensions consisting of nothing but nothingness. You propose that these spa other spaces I have never seen being... You, are propo you propose that in these other spaces have never that these other spaces have never seen beings such as us within their infinity? That's preposterous, for our dimension is not the eldest. There are those which are far older and could have quite possibly been witness to those far stronger than I and even of you. And yet now they dwell in nothing, nothing but nothingness. My king, I know you hear me, but you must, you must listen to my plea. I hear you, Yanis, but I hear nothing but blasphemy. These are not the words of a seer, but the words of my wife. Have you spoken to her? Does she know of my righteous acts? Yes, my king, I have spoken to her. And yes, she does know of your actions. But my king, you should know that she does not see these as righteous acts, but rather as vile transgressions. Oh. Then so be it. What left is there to discuss? 
My wife, the traitor, has betrayed and declared war against that which has elevated her. I have already told you that my path is mine alone to understand. So exactly why do you still remain in my presence? Leave now before I take your power for my own. The only reason why I grant you pause is because I would hate to be burdened with a power so redundant as yours. As you wish, my king. And like you say, so be it. Yanis disappears into her orb and her orb into nothingness. The king resumes his contemplation. Orizen, the queen's throne room. Gaia, queen of titans, lies on her throne exasperated with her current predicament. Pray tell, Nemesis, why exactly can I not disembowel and hang the bastard from his entrails after lighting him aflame? My liege, the two of your life forces are intertwined. The sudden destruction of one would most certainly lead to the death of another. Almost certainly this would lead to the death of the other. Almost? asks Gaia. My liege, you asked me to help you divine a vengeance of absolute perfection, of which the divinity has never seen, and it does not seem to me it would be the case if you were unable to bear witness, considering the divinity is nothing without your presence, proclaims Nemesis. Go on, states Sky. With pleasure. As I said, you would almost certainly die if you were to extinguish his life force suddenly, all at once. But what if we were able to separate his life force into multiple entities and were to kill them one by one? My queen... How dost thou feel about stepmotherhood? You must be joking. No, no, nothing of the sort. I do believe that this is how we kill the fallen King Yoros. With your ability to manipulate matter, coupled with your extraordinary healing abilities, we would be able to kill one of the children of Yoros at a time. It would be trying, but I have no doubt your life force would be able to endure such a feat. It is not my life force which is in question of being able to endure this act, my child, but my morality. You seriously ask of me to butcher children. Acts of such madness is what brought us to this juncture to begin with. My apologies, my queen. Allow me to further explain. I see my just upset motherhood has offended you, and I should have been more clear with my premise of my plan. For these uh, aberrations would not ex actually be children, but merely byproducts of an unnecessary exorcism. 
You speak nothing but semantics, Nemesis. You ask me to essentially trade the lives of children, trade children's lives for my own, for that of my own. These are not the ways of your queen, these are the ways of a monster, since you obviously cannot conjure up a better course of action than I suppose the decision has been made. Allow me to fetch my harpy, and then we leave for Earthyrmon and set entrails ablaze. Nemesis bows as the queen takes her leave. So a monster I am. For merely suggesting a course of action. Hmm. It makes me wonder what that would make one who had betrothed a monster. I suppose... We will soon have an answer to that question, states Nemesis to herself. The Eternal Torch, Horizon, Prometheus's Workshop. Element, your idiocy of monstrous proportions. Your element, your idiocy is of monstrous proportions. Titan of the elements, titan of rage, more like titan of the asinine. Of course, of course the obedience spell will only be applicable to Prometheus and myself. The cumulative power of this unit will be quite formidable, and we cannot risk the chance of this force being turned against us or being utilized recklessly. <coughs> And I presume it would be the latter category of which I fall under, states elements, posing the question to Alphaba. Presume what you may. It makes no difference to me, states Alphaba. Brother, brother, you are to be on the battlefield, are you not? And not only that, but you are to be the battle itself. You needn't worry over fledglings who will be fielding what some would say to be your unnecessary support. We must remain focused on the task at hand. How long before the army you're conjuring is to be complete, Alba? Prometheus asks. They will be finished when they need to be, and not a moment sooner, states Alphaba. Ah, so the fate of my sister and possibly the entire divinity rests in the hands of a witch who's letting her power, granted purely from coincidental circumstance, go to her head. Terrific. Any other marvelous ideas, brother? Or do you tap out after handing over our fate to that of the wicked? There is no such thing as coincidence. My being here must have been divine from a higher power. Have you learned nothing from your time with our like? We are the Titans. There is no higher power, proclaims Element. <sighs> Do you not have something better you could be doing right now? If you're so worried about having enough time to prepare our forces, why not go to your sister and do what any brother excels at doing and stall her from realizing her goals? 
asked Al- Alba. What? What? I'll have your tongue, witch! Brother, brother, please. Alba's right. Go seek an audience with our beloved sister. At least you'll be able to give Alba enough time to finish up. But at most, you may be able to abate a catastrophe before it even arises. Prometheus bargains with, Al- with Element. I appreciate the assist, Prometheus. I've always been prudent with my studies, but it seems I have neglected the language of the ignorant male. Ah, brother, go now before it's too late. Element makes eye contact with Prometheus and nods before he disappears in a swirl of elements. (laughs) You haven't known him more than a few hours, and yet you seem to already know how to push all of his buttons. Some would gossip that a new love has been written in the stars, says Prometheus. Not only some, but most are idiots. Your brother is among them, which is why it didn't take me more than a minute to figure him out. An adult need not result to denigration in their courtship. That is the act of a child, states Alba. Alphaba steps closer to Prometheus. Prometheus shifts his feet to not lose his balance, but Alphaba follows, looking right through him, keeping the same small amount of space between the two. Do you see me as childish? asks Alba. No, no, says Prometheus. Good. I thought not. Alphaba moves back to her previous position at the workbench and adds another ingredient to her cauldron. A small bang and a puff of smoke follows. Dolphin brain, pigtail, chimp cadaver, wing of raven, and a pinch of nightshade. It's almost there, but it's missing something. Can you think of anything else to supplement, Prometheus? Asks Alba. Heart of Linus. Says Prometheus. Good. I had thought you might. Says Alphaba. Prometheus goes to his cupboard and retrieves the heart of Lioness. Prometheus then hands the heart to Alba. Alphaba tosses the heart into the cauldron and a larger bang and a puff of smoke follow than had before. Ad vitam hunk! Alphaba casts a spell. The mixture within the cauldron swirls alive with energy and magic. A plume of smoke erupts from the cauldron. Instinctually, Prometheus steps back while Alphaba, smiling, stands completely still in, an, in, in anticipation of the birth of her creation. The creature sh- shrieks, making the smoke dissipate. It flaps its wings violently, lashing out at the two specters. Alba! 
says Prometheus. Alphaba holds up the back of her hand. Be not afraid, or if you must at least show some empathy for our creation. It will not hurt us. Like you, it is merely frightened. Alphaba swiftly holds up her hands, facing her palms towards the creature. Me pure pare! Alphaba casts yet another spell. The animal calms, landing on the workbench, and becomes docile. There. Much better. Congratulations, my divine craftsman. We have our first success. One down, 999 to go. Finn. Alright, y'all. That was the end of Titan Rage Issue 2. I hope you enjoyed it. Please like and share this video. Or, I guess, uh, podcast, audio cast, uh, audio book. Please like and share this. Spread this to as much people as possible. They may like it. They may get a kick out of it. They may laugh at it. But hey, as long as they're listening to it, that's all that matters, right? Uh, so thank you again for listening. This is Looking Good with Nate. Please like my Facebook page, Looking Good with Nate on Facebook. Uh, it's Looking Good, W slash Nate. Uh, obviously, Twitter, LG slash Nate. Instagram, Looking good, W Nate, no slash, no spaces, no spaces. And, uh, well, thanks. Thank, I mean, even if you don't do all that, thanks for listening to the end. I really appreciate it. Uh, so I hope you have all have a good day. And, hey, <laughs> here's the fantasy. All right. Well, good night.